Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of Scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. All right, brothers and sisters, it's Rusty Thomas with Kingdom Moments here. Just got back from a weekend with my lovely bride, Kendra, and my youngest daughter, Jubilee the Hammer Thomas. (laughs) We just had uh, quite uh, a weekend together. We went to uh, Operation Save America's regional event uh, to help a dear brother. His name is Ernie Yarbrough, and uh, he is running uh, for for Congress in the state of Alabama, and he has promised to run a bill of abolition that will provide equal justice and equal protection for the pre-born in sweet home Alabama. (laughs) Where the skies are so blue. Yes, indeedy. And so we uh, we went there, and you know it was a it was a small gathering, a small remnant, but they went knocking on doors, passing out flyers, um, and it looks like mission accomplished. So we praise God for that opportunity to get a good man elected in Alabama, and I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, would encourage pastors and churches and looks amongst your congregation. Uh, We need godly, righteous, principled men to run for public office again. And that is something seriously uh, to consider uh, in these days. We also had a a celebration service, and I love these. Um, There was a death camp in Huntsville, Alabama. And through the years, OSA has been there with the local saints And that death camp has shut down. Glory be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's just, it's just good, brothers and sisters. You know, we, through the years, we've gone to many, many death camps throughout America and to see their doors shut and that these death camps will no longer harm preborn children who are made in the image of God. I tell you, it's just just something to rejoice over, something to give praise and glory to Christ, because there is victory in Jesus, my friends. And he is faithful to watch over his word, to perform it. Uh, So we went to that defunct death camp, and we gave great glory to the Lord and encouraged the saints Uh, But the job in Alabama is not done yet. Abortion still has to be abolished. And we're going to continue to do the work there uh, to see that state uh, delivered from blood guiltiness. And so Pastor Darren, the assistant director of OSA, uh, he invited me to come because he wanted me to speak on the importance of the shield of faith as it pertains to spiritual warfare. And that was the theme of the regional event. 
And so they went over the whole armor of God. And he asked me specifically to deal with the issue of faith and how faith is so important when it comes to the battles we fight and how we overcome. And and if you want further helps with that topic, uh, you can go to my website, ElijahMendon.com. And I have uh, some manuals there. We got a field manual for abortion ministry. We got another booklet called Endurance in the Battle and another book called Christ's Kingdom, The Doctrine of Satan and the Abolition of Abortion. So when you get done hearing this podcast on spiritual warfare, if you like more hopes, go to that website and you can download those materials. Lord bless you. Okay, so we're going to start with the scriptures here. And that is Ephesians chapter 6. And this speaks of the whole armor of God. Finally, my brethren, this is verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Mark that, brothers and sisters. There's such a thing called familiar spirits. The evil one in the demonic realm have schemes. They have wiles, and they are familiar with us. They know how to push our buttons. They know if we hear certain words or get in a certain circumstances that are familiar with us, we will act in a certain way. And that's how the Lord, um, excuse me, that's how the evil one sets up strongholds in our lives. And of course, we want to be delivered from those things. We want those things broken in our lives so we can faithfully love, serve, and obey our Lord. He goes on to say, for we do not wrestle. Mark that word, wrestle. Many times the Apostle Paul uses sports analogies to define the Christian walk and and living out the Christian faith. He talked about boxing the ear. In other words, when the church swings, we should hit something namely the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And he talks about, you know, uh, running the race of faith. So he used uh, sport analogies a lot. But in this case, when it talks about the war that we're engaged in, he says it's, it's a wrestling. See, in other a contact sports, you know, like boxing, you could run around the ring, you could do the rope a dope, you could, you, you, you know, you there's there's breaks uh, in the action, but when you're wrestling, when you make contact, that contact remains until somebody is thrown and somebody is pinned to the ground. Keep that in mind. Because you may not want to be in contact with principalities, powers. You, you may not want to wrestle the spiritual wickedness in high places. But understand this. This enemy, Satan and demons, are at war against you. And you must, of necessity, be at war 
against them. It's a wrestling match, brothers and sisters. And this is why the Apostle Paul goes on to say, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. I mean, he mentions standing over and over and over again. And of course, the imagery here is like the, it's adverse circumstances, adverse winds blowing against us. It's like standing, like in the midst of our hurricane, you know, stretching or striving forward as the winds of adversity blow against us. We take our stand having girded our waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And here's the passage I spoke on. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it talked about praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Now, we know most of the armor is defensive in nature. And and most people think there's just one offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But there really are two brothers and sisters, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Most of the men I run with, they are good soldiers of Jesus Christ. They are men of action. And that is so needful in the body of Christ today because so many people substitute prayer for obedience. We spiritualize our disobedience by saying, we'll pray about it. Well, brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, most of the men I know, they're men of action. And most of the men I know, they love studying the scriptures. They love pouring over theological books, doctrinal books, historical books, biographies. And this is good and it's fitting and it's proper. But one of the the lack, I would say, or deficiency is it's very hard for men like us when it comes to prayer to stop the busyness of our life, train our minds to dig in and begin to pray to the Almighty. Even if you recall the work of the apostles, the reason why we got deacons in the body of Christ is because the apostles said they couldn't give their time to meet the practical needs of the widows and the orphans. And so they established Uh, the deacon ministry in the church, they said they had to give themselves over to the study of the word and prayer. And so, brothers and sisters, we, we must keep that in mind. It's very, very important when it comes to our walk in the Lord. So here's the Apostle Paul. He, he knows firsthand 
the spiritual battle that rages in the heavenlies and manifests on the earth. I want you to keep in mind, brothers and sisters, that the first sin that led to the first battle did not begin on earth at the Garden of Eden. It did not begin with Satan and our first parents. The first battle that raged was in the heavenly realms. Satan rebelled against God, became intoxicated with with his own beauty, his own glory, and with one-third of the angelic hosts, they were cast down upon this earth. And in the midst of that battlefield, God created Adam and Eve, placed them in that garden, and, and told them a few things. And part of it was subdue and take dominion. And those are military terms. There was an evil one there. There was an enemy who has come to kill, steal, and to destroy. And so Adam's calling was to meet that enemy head on and defeat him. Unfortunately, we know how that turned out. Um, Adam and Eve committed treason against the Lord. They fell to the wiles of the evil one, and we were plunged into the fall where sin, death, hell, and the grave was introduced into this universe. Well, that battle has raged since the garden, and it has ripped through the pages of Scripture throughout redemptive history, and it's manifest in our day. And Paul was keenly aware of the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. He was very much aware of the demonic realm. And so he became this lightning rod figure in God's kingdom. The word of the Lord tells us that he fought with the beast at Ephesus. If you look up the word beast uh, in the scriptures, typically that is civil government that is not operating as God ordained, but is under the sway of the evil one. It's a tyrannical government. It's an oppressive government. And the Bible says Paul fought with that beast at Ephesus. And uh, if you remember in Acts chapter 19, we saw this incredible riot break out and the idol makers up in arms because the more the gospel of the kingdom was advancing, the more idol worship was diminishing and the revenue of the idol makers was going down, down, down. And so they're encouraging civil government. They're encouraging the culture to attack the apostles and the Christians. And uh, boy, the battle just raged. And understand this, brothers and sisters, everywhere the early church went in the book of Acts, it was either revival or riots. There was no ho-hum, you know, oh, no yawn that Christians were in town. No, it inflamed not only individual souls, but imp- impacted the civil government realm. It impacted the culture 
and it impacted those who made money by vice and idolatry. And that's why so much of the world hated the early church and Christianity, uh, because the more the kingdom advanced, the more idolatry was being smashed. But here's the thing you must understand. As Paul is fighting with this beast at Ephesus, guess what's happening in the Ephesian church? They're experiencing revival. There was an incredible growth of the church in Ephesus. And so we must understand the enemy knew the apostle Paul all too well. And they threw everything at him except maybe the kitchen sink, but that could not stop him. And if you read Paul's writings, he talks about all the perils that he went through serving the Lord of glory. You know, uh, he was whipped five times. He was beaten with rod three times. Uh, He was shipwrecked. He spent a night and day in the sea. I mean, the enemy threw everything at this brother, trying to stop him from spreading the gospel of the kingdom. But Paul never, ever gave up. He kept coming and he kept coming. And so here's the demons crying out. If you remember uh, the sons of Sceva, when they're going to cast a demon out of somebody uh, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I want you to listen to the testimony of the demons. Listen, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Think about that, brothers and sisters. That's incredible. It's one thing to understand the demons knew about Jesus Christ. They were up up and close and personal with him in the heavenly realm. Christ was there when Michael the archangel cast them down to the earth. Of course they knew who Jesus was. In fact, if you look at the beginning of the Gospels, the demons did more acknowledgement of who Christ was and what he came to do than the apostles. Where Christ showed up and demons manifested, they would go, oh, oh, the Holy One, you've come to torment us before the time. I mean, they knew Jesus Christ. But Paul, brothers and sisters, he's a mere man like you and me. But he was so committed to following the Lord, so committed to be like him in the earth that the demonic realm was aware of this man and his works in the earth. And so to this day, uh, when I'm training young men in the battle, one of the things that I encourage them is the first place your name needs to be recorded is in the Lamb's Book of Life. We must be saved. We must be born again. The Bible says we overcome the evil one and darkness by being washed in the blood, the word of our testimony, and loving not our lives so much as to shrink back from death. Listen to me, you who are hearing this podcast, 
If you are not born of God's spirit, you're already a casualty in this battle. You are a dead man or dead woman walking. You're already lying dead on the battlefield. You must be saved. The spirit of God must enter your life to regenerate you, to get you on your feet and put on that full full armor of God. So now you can fight this battle. And so our name has to be recorded in the Lamb's book of life. But secondarily, it needs to be recorded in the enemy's camp. When we train young men, it's none of this. Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you business? No, if you're going to, if you're going to be a righteous warrior in the kingdom of God, if you're going to be a world changer, let me tell you something. Not only does the Lord need to know your name, the enemy needs to know your name. And I get it. Like who wants to be that lightning rod figure like Paul, who wants to attract the heat into their lives? But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if we're going to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ, that is what is required. I mean, the book of Revelation tells us who the enemy is enraged against. Listen to this. This is Revelations 12, 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. Listen. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Two things who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Understand this, brothers and sisters. Satan and the demonic realm, they're not concerned about false religions and cults and carnal Christianity and apostate Christianity um, and this world system that is in rebellion against God's loving and just rule. The enemy holds sway over those realms. So what is he concerned about? Who or what truly threatens him? Where he knows that if they continue to obey the commandments of God, if they continue to hold forth the testimony of Jesus Christ, what's going to become of his kingdom? What does he know? He knows that if we stay faithful, he is going to be dispossessed in this earth as God's kingdom advances. Amen? And so the Bible tells us that Paul was so committed to to this prospect that he, he said that because of the abundance of revelation, there was a messenger of Satan sent to him to buffet him. In other words, he was so committed to advancing the kingdom of God on the earth and preaching the gospel, there was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. Now he does ask the Lord three times, please take it from me, let it depart from me. And here's the Lord's answer. My grace is sufficient for thee, Paul. You know, brothers and sisters, I can remember, you know, going through this last three or four years, time of great loss, time of great grief and and mourning, you know, and, um, you know, we just cared a lot. Our family was just caring a lot for the sick and dying. And in my fallback, when people asked me how we were doing, my, my response was, who is sufficient 
for these things because I knew I wasn't. I knew my family. We weren't sufficient for all the things that were happening in our life. But we know what we found out. God himself is sufficient for all these things. So when it comes to the Apostle Paul, understand this spiritual warfare principle. Mark it down. The more effectual and the more impact you have advancing the kingdom of God and his great salvation in the earth, the more you will be resisted and opposed. And what this does, brothers and sisters, this forces us to remain dependent upon God as our faith is tried in the fire. The promise is, however, it will come forth as gold. Now, the Apostle Paul talked about how unsearchable are the riches and the understanding of Almighty God. And it's so true when it comes to fighting this battle and upholding the shield of faith. Because understand this, as we fight this battle and there are messengers of Satan to buffet us, as there is persecution and trial and tribulation. This is how Christ's character is formed in us, how it's forged in us. And while he is doing that in and through our life, he is using that to defeat his enemies. Understand that, brothers and sisters. God wastes nothing, the good, the bad, and the ugly. As we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, understand that God uses all these things, not only to sanctify us, where we grow more and more like Jesus and less like us, but God also uses this as a consolation unto others. Now, brothers and sisters, I have more uh, that I want to, say about this topic. So I'm probably going to have to do um, round two um, just for time's sake. But at least I want to kind of wet your whistle uh, on this first part of the importance of the shield of faith when it comes to spiritual warfare. The next time I want to talk about how this pertains when it comes to the fight of abolition of abortion. And I also want to finish it to talk about not just the shield of faith as a defensive, uh, you know, posture or a defensive position, but also how our faith is used to go on the offensive, the great exploits that are to be done because of this gift of faith that God has granted us. And I do want to remind you of this, brothers and sisters. The scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Speaking of God, for he that cometh to God must believe A, that he is, and B, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I'm going to talk about the benefits of those faith, of that kind of faith um, at some future podcast. So 
Hope to get to that. Um, I believe our next podcast, we're going to have our first interview. I'm not going to introduce the guest yet. It's going to be a surprise. But we are very, very grateful uh, that we're going to expand the effectiveness of this podcast by interviewing movers and shakers that are doing a great work for the kingdom of our Lord and advancing his salvation in the earth. So stay tuned to the next episode. Till then, brethren, keep pressing on to that high calling prize in Jesus' name.